We are concluding our series entitled Unexpected. Again, most of us have been familiar with the Christmas story for so long. In fact, uh, some of us are so familiar with the story that we miss out that God's actions in it are completely unexpected. And this morning we're going to look for unexpected peace. But we, before we continue this morning, I just want to point something out. We come here week after week to meet with God, and one of the things that we hope to find here is peace, uh, peace from everything in life that uh, stresses us out. And there's always something that causes stress. It seems to be never ending. And there are understandable things that, that cause us to stress out, whether it's work or relationships or finances or health issues. You know, if we lose a job or have issues in our marriages or with our kids or our parents or siblings or if a friendship ends or we get bad news from our doctor, uh, of course, those kinds of things take away our peace. That's pretty normal, especially if any of those things were unexpected. However, it's not just the big things that take away our peace. It seems like almost any little thing can take away our peace. You know, when you're driving, if you get stuck behind someone who's not even doing the speed limit, what does that do to your peace? Or um, what about if you're at a restaurant and you get bad service? What does that do to your peace? Or you're in a slow checkout, checkout line at the store. What does that do to your peace? I almost exclusively now will use the self-checkout at any store that I go to. Um, it just doesn't take much to take our peace away. It can be something as simple as a misspelled word. It's, I can see it in your eyes. It's killing you. I had at least six to ten people come to me between services and point out the misspelled word. It drove you crazy. I didn't anticipate how many teachers would be here this morning. Um, yeah, yes. So now, you don't have to raise your hands because I know it's pretty much all of you, but were you unable to focus? You know, Lorianne and the worship team this morning, they did a great job at inviting us into the peaceful presence of God, an invitation to worship. And how many of us were unable to do any of that because of two letters? Two letters. You didn't have to raise your hand, but it's okay you did. Okay, so um, do you want me to fix it? All right, all right. You guys are no fun whatsoever. Okay, this is going to take a minute. But again, I just want you to remember how easy it was to take away your peace this morning. Two letters. You have to be careful with these letters because if you knock down one and it falls on another, you have a domino effect. That happened to me once. I don't know what was said, so it's okay. You don't have to repeat it. Send me an email. Is that, how are we doing? Is this better? You know, okay. You don't know how much fun that was for me, knowing all of you were going to be asking me, do you guys not know how to spell? So we fixed the piece. Okay, it's better now. But what do you do when something can't be fixed? When there is no making it better. Now, finding peace in those situations isn't something we expect to find. But it is something we need to find. So where do you find unexpected peace? 
If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to Luke chapter 2. That's where we'll be for most of the morning. Uh, We've asked Marvin Barnes to read scripture this morning. Marvin, if you can make your way up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. And we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us where scripture is to be in our lives, whether as individuals or as a community of faith, scripture should be central. And so, Marvin, whenever you are ready, please read from Luke chapter 2. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When it came time for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what is the custom as the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. Reverend, thank you very much. You may be seated. This passage in Luke 2, it begins with things that really, if you understand the um, Judaism, these things are to be expected. As faithful Jews, for Mary and Joseph to do these things would be completely normal. Um, Going to verses 21 and 24, you can look there in your Bibles or on the screen, uh, where it says, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Um, Now, having your child's name given to you by an angel, okay, that's not normal. But uh, the rest of this really is. Um, The eighth day for Jesus to be circumcised, well, circumcision is a big deal in the Jewish faith. It was a sign of the covenant, the covenant that God made with Abraham all the way back in the book of Genesis. And all Jewish males were to be circumcised. It it was a sign that they were a part of the faith community. And so even though eight-day-old babies didn't understand anything about the faith, they were considered a part of the faith community. Circumcision was expected to be done. Nothing really surprising about that. Likewise, purification rites were something women would do um, after 
childbirth. There was nothing really unexpected with that. Um, Firstborn males were to be consecrated to God. So um, they go to the temple to have him consecrated, and the law said that you were to bring a lamb and either a dove or a pigeon as part of your sacrifice for the consecration. It also stated, though, that if you were poor, you could substitute the lamb with another bird, another dove, another pigeon. And so the fact that in the passage in Luke 2 says that they brought two doves, two pigeons, um, it indicates that Mary and Joseph were quite poor. But all of this is quite normal. But then something unexpected happens. A complete stranger approaches this young family. In verse uh, 25 and verses 27 and 28 in Luke 2, if you want to look there in your Bible, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. This unexpected stranger, Simeon, And he's in the temple, but the passage doesn't say that he was a priest, doesn't indicate that he was a religious leader of any kind. It does say that he was righteous, righteous simply meaning living in right relationships. So Simeon was a man who lived right by others. And it also called him devout. Devout would say something about his faith. And the Spirit of God came upon him and led him into the temple courts. Now, I can believe God, or I believe God can do anything. And I've seen God do lots of things. But still, I really don't consider myself a mystical person. And so when I read that Simeon is moved by the Spirit to go to the temple, I'm really not exactly sure what that looks like. The passage doesn't say that God audibly spoke to Simeon. It says that he was moved by the Spirit. And while I haven't had a lot of mystical type experiences in my life, there is one that I've had that kind of made me think of this, or I thought of it when I read this passage. As part of my training to become a pastor, I did a chaplain internship at a hospital in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it was, the largest, it was the largest hospital in the state of Wisconsin. I believe there were around, if not over, 700 beds in this hospital. Um, there were uh, three towers in the hospital. I do remember the three towers. One of the towers had four floors. Another tower had seven floors. And another tower had 11 floors. I remember that because one of the two floors I was assigned was the 11th floor of the tallest tower. I remember that very clearly. Um, that's 22 floors of rooms for patients. So it was bigger than any hospital in Boise. I really haven't spent a lot of time in the hospitals in Salt Lake, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was bigger than any of those either. Um, At the time, it was also one of the premier heart hospitals in the country. So I'm doing a chaplain internship there, and I get a call to go to the emergency room, the ER. And so I go to the room, and there are three adults in the room. An adult brother and sister were there with their ailing mother, and I can't remember exactly what her health issue the mom was facing, but I do remember that she had a history of heart issues. 
And um, the brother and sister, they had another sister that they had called. And she was coming to the hospital from her work. They called her at work and they let her know that mom was in the hospital and they told her, you should probably get here. And they told her to come to the hospital, but they didn't tell her to go to the ER. You see, mom had been dealing with heart issues and had been to the cardiology department many times. Now, for the kids in the room, cardiology department, cardiology is simply um, the study of the heart. It's the part of the hospital for patients who needed help with their heart. So cardiology, it's study of the heart. A cardiologist is a heart doctor. Cardio workout, some of you are thinking about making that a resolution. Cardio workout is a workout that makes your heart stronger. Again, so kids, when you think cardiology, when you hear me say cardiology, just think heart, okay? TFRC, a place that we love Jesus, and you learn something new. Just want to point that out. The family was concerned that the sister would go to the cardiology department in the hospital because that's where they usually went when mom was in the hospital. And that was on the other side of the hospital from the ER. Now, it was the early 2000s, and so not everybody had a cell phone yet. And the sister who was coming from work did not have one. And so they asked me to go to the cardiology area and have her paged. And they gave me her name. Can't remember what her name was. Um, and so I leave the ER to go to the other side of the hospital, the cardiology area. Now, to get to that part of the hospital from where I was, I was going to have to cross through the main entrance, entryway of the hospital. And this was in the middle of the day. And so there are all sorts of people coming and going uh, in this part of the hospital. And I'm hustling to get to where I need to go through, wading through a sea of people as, I, as I'm going through. And as I'm wading through the sea of people, I pass by this one lady. I'm going one way, she's going the other. And I get this prompting. And the prompt, it wasn't a voice, it wasn't anything like that, it was just a prompting. Why don't you go see if that's the lady you're looking for? Now, normally I ignore such things. But at that time, I was trying to be more sensitive to promptings. And I started thinking to myself, what's the worst thing that can happen if I go to this lady and say, hey, are you so-and-so, and it's not her? It's not that big of a deal. So I get this prompting, so I turn around, I catch up to the lady, and I just stop her, and I say, excuse me, are you so-and-so? And she looks at me, and she says, yes. And I was surprised, because I really didn't think that was going to happen, but I, at the same, I wasn't shocked. It was sort of like, well, that's kind of cool. It is you. So I introduced myself as a chaplain and explained that, hey, your family sent me to come get you. And so then I took her to the ER, to her family. Now, those kinds of things don't happen to me very often, but that's sort of how I view this story of Simeon going to the temple. I don't know if that's how it is, but that's sort of how I relate to it, that Simeon was much more in touch with the Spirit of God than I am. And so the Spirit led him to the temple and then led him to this young family. And Simeon was expecting the Messiah. Going back to the passage of the day in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, it says, He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon was waiting for something called the consolation of Israel. Well, what consolation of Israel? What is that? Well, if you just look at the word consolation, to console someone, if you're going to console someone, 
What that means is you're going to comfort someone in their suffering. And so the consolation of Israel would be comfort from God for Israel. You see, Israel believed that they were in a period of suffering, suffering because of their unfaithfulness to God. And their current form of suffering was the oppression of the Roman Empire. And they believed, and they were looking for God's Messiah who would come and deliver them from their suffering. And the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Now, if I'm Simeon, and I'm told that I'm going to see the Lord's Messiah, I would interpret that to mean that I'm going to see Israel's deliverance, that I'm going to see the Messiah in action. And so Simeon receives a promise from God, and a promise from God is always fulfilled, but his hasn't been fulfilled yet. And so, like all unmet promises, Simeon, he wants it to be fulfilled, and it must have caused him some unrest, thinking, when am I going to see the Messiah? But again, in my mind, he has to be thinking, I'm going to get to see the Messiah in action. I'm going to get to see the deliverance of Israel. And so Simeon, he's moved by the Spirit to go to the temple, and, and he's going to go to the temple to go see the Messiah, is what his expectation is. And if, again, if I'm Simeon, I think, well, yeah, of course, that's where the Messiah is going to appear. It's in the temple, the temple, the center of our worship, or the temple where we go to celebrate the great festivals every year, or the temple where we believe that the special manifestation of God's presence resides. Simeon is moved to go there, which wouldn't be that surprising to him. And when he gets there, he sees the family, Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and the Spirit somehow confirms to him, this is the Messiah you've been looking for. And again, this is conjecture on my part, but if I put myself in Simeon's place and I see this family and I'm told this is the Messiah you're looking for, my response is, the dad? And the Spirit somehow saying to him, no, the baby. See, I don't think the baby is what Simeon was expecting to see. He was expecting to see the Messiah in action. And instead, he got to see the Messiah. So this stranger comes up to the family in the temple. And I don't know what that conversation looked like, but the passage says that he took Jesus in his arms. And again, Simeon was not going to get to see the Messiah in action. Instead, he got to hold the Messiah in his arms. And so for Simeon, that was more than enough to give him peace. The deliverance hadn't happened yet, but the Messiah is here, and everything will be all right. The presence of Jesus brought Simeon unexpected peace. But how would that work, though? Again, it's, Simeon didn't get to see the deliverance, just the deliverer. So how does not seeing the deliverance bring you peace? Again, the word consolation means comfort in suffering. There's two passages about comfort I just want to briefly share. The first is Isaiah 66, verse 13, where it says, As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, 
and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And then Luke 13 says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. See, God says in Isaiah that he wants to comfort Jerusalem like a mother comforts her child. And Jesus says in Luke 13 that he longs to gather the people together like a hen that gathers her chicks. Both of these passages use parenting images, parenting images associated with motherhood because mothers are more likely to be associated with comforting. Although, I would argue, dads can be pretty good at comforting too, just more, light, more often associated with mothers. But regardless of which parent does the comforting, what is it about parents that brings comfort? Why would Scripture use those images to describe how God in one passage and Jesus in another wants to comfort his people? Well, if you look at these pictures, again, you have pictures of different images of parents bringing comfort to their kids. And what's the classic line? The classic line for little kids, what do they say to their parents when they are hurt? They point to their injury and they say, kiss it and make it better, or something of that nature, right? Now, when I helped coach Little League, when a kid got hurt, we told the kids, rub dirt on it, okay? Arm hurts, rub some dirt on it. Uh, one time, we were coaching a bunch of first graders, and one of the other kid hurt his arm, one of the other coaches looks at him and says, I'll just rub some dirt on it. And the next time we turned around, we see the kid, he's got some dirt, he's rubbing dirt on his arm. But when a crying child asks their mom or dad to kiss their injury, and then the parent does, the child almost always feels better. Why? The kiss doesn't take pain away like medicine does. It doesn't stop the bleeding like a Band-Aid does. And the kiss isn't the same if it's from someone else. It needs to be a parent who does it. Again, this really isn't a mystery. It's the presence of the parent that makes the child feel, feel better because the presence of the parent brings comfort like no one else can, like nothing else can. You see, the presence of the parent means that even if the child isn't doing well, the child can experience peace. And God says to us, I want to bring you that kind of comfort. You know, we give a blessing at the end of every service, and the blessings will change from time to time, but a common blessing that we give ends with this, from Numbers chapter 6, where it says, may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. How do we receive peace according to that passage? We receive peace when God looks at us, turns his face towards us. You see, we think we only receive peace when God fixes things for us. But just as children receive peace 
when a parent attends to them, we receive peace when God turns his face towards us. It's an unexpected peace. Israel wasn't doing well. They needed God's deliverance, but they also needed God's comfort. And the Messiah was coming to bring both. And so Simeon holds baby Jesus. And as baby Jesus looks at Simeon, Jesus brought unexpected peace to him. Verses 29 and 33 of the passage, where Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Simeon says his eyes have seen God's salvation, but not just for Israel. Jesus' salvation is for all of us, all nations, Jews and Gentiles alike. And we talk about this at Christmas, where we say Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus' presence brings unexpected peace for those of us who accept him. But even so, the uncertainty and suffering, it didn't end yet for Simeon or for Mary or for Joseph. If you look at the story, especially from Mary and Joseph's point of view, this whole event is kind of unexpected and disturbing because you have a newborn and a stranger comes up to you and suddenly the stranger is holding your baby. You're not even sure how that happened. It's unexpected and not very peaceful. And yet the passage goes on to say that they marveled about what was said about Jesus. But more heartache and pain was coming for them. For those of us who know the rest of the story, we know that there was more pain and heartache on the way. Their future was uncertain, which sounds a lot like us. Our futures are uncertain, and we will experience suffering. And there are lots of things that take away our peace. And it would be nice if God would just fix them all for us. Sometimes, the things that take away our peace come from within, come from inside of us. And so maybe you need something internal fixed. Sometimes the things that take away our peace are things that are, come from outside of us. So maybe you need something externally fixed. But regardless of what it is you need fixed, I would encourage you to go to God and ask him to fix what you want God to fix. And I'm not promising that God will fix everything you ask him to. And for good reasons, he probably won't. Which begs the question, why bother asking then? Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you present your requests to God, you get God's attention, which means he turns his face towards you. And when God turns his face towards you, 
he gives you peace. Notice the passage doesn't say that you ask and whatever you ask for, God will fix. It just says you ask and the peace of God will come upon you. He gives you peace. Peace which transcends all understanding. That in Christ Jesus will guard your heart. Not guard your heart like when a cardiologist shows up, but guard your heart like when a mom or dad shows up. Peace which transcends all understanding. That in Christ Jesus will guard your heart. Unexpected peace. As we've been going through this series, Unexpected, we look for God to bring us unexpected hope and unexpected joy and unexpected love and unexpected peace. And one of the reasons we come to worship God each week is we want to come into the presence of God. And when we worship, we do just that. We enter into God's presence. And so as we continue to worship God this morning, what I just really want to encourage you to do for our next few moments together is focus on God's presence Because likewise, when we come and petition God for things, he turns his face towards us. Well, when we come to worship God, he turns his face towards us. So I just want to encourage you to focus upon God's presence. And my prayer for you will be, even just maybe in these next few moments, you experience some of that unexpected peace. Please pray with me. And God, we come before you and once again, just thank you for all the different ways that you do intervene in our lives. How when we've come before you and have presented things that weigh heavy upon our hearts that we have seen you act. And Lord, for the times where you haven't acted in the ways that we've wanted you to, we also just want to thank you for your presence and your comfort. And Lord, we just ask that even now, that you would give us a real tangible sense of your unexpected peace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.